What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome back to my final installment of my interview with Tom Haneke. This part isn't as long as the others, this one's around 15 minutes, but still has great content in it. Now, those who are in Toronto for the Toronto International Film Festival, Tage from Tage's Tech Blog and myself are having a small meet and greet at the Fox and the Fiddle. It's a pub here in Toronto. If you're in Toronto, check it out on our website at the calendar section. You can join us for raffles and some pub fare and just talk shop with us. We're picking up right where we left off in the last part of the interview. So we're talking about American Teen. If you haven't heard that part, go back to the second part of the interview. So back to my interview with Tom Haneke. The animation within that film, I thought was a very yeah. interesting idea. Do you know how that came about and how did it affect well, your Well, yeah, Nanette had, Nanette had that, that vision early on. I don't know how she came to it. Although she's... Do you ever see the kid stays in the picture? Uh, it's one of my favorite films. Yeah, you know, I mean, they kind of, you know that technique that everybody uses now with the photoshopping the film? Yeah. That's the first time I, I think that I ever saw that. Yeah. In that film. And that was pretty brilliant. So she was kind of thinking about other ways to handle visual material other than, you know, just shooting documentary stuff, you know, uh, classic interview b-roll blah 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 you know very mm -hmm. so she was in that mind and actually her former partner brett morgan mm -hmm. who uh made the kids say in a picture with her uh did uh the chicago 10 and he basically animated the entire piece okay so there must have been an idea that was floating the back and forth between them and then independently after they broke up as it was different ways you can approach stuff mm -hmm. they had they had been Talking to animators pretty early on, there was a character, a minor character, who they thought might turn into a major character, who was kind of this sad sack, not very good-looking friend of Hannah's, and he was kind yeah. of secretly in love with her. They had done some serious animation already on that character. They were in a lot of the earlier cuts, but ultimately he went away because he wasn't holding his weight. But she had spent the money on the animation, mm -hmm. but, you know, was, as I said, you have to serve the film, and it just wasn't making it, and it had to go, even though it cost a lot of money. Well, mm -hmm. too bad. Nice job, but it didn't work. But yeah, it was a good idea. It was a good idea. And I think, ultimately, there's like only four of them, right? Each one gets yeah. their dream. It's kind of their dream. But yeah, it's a good, you know, it's a good, if for no other reason, and it's good for a lot of reasons, yeah. but if for no other reason, it's a change in the film. And sometimes that's another editorial thing you have to worry about. Is sometimes you just need to give them something else that they haven't had yet because they're mm -hmm. starting to get bored and it's predictable. And you have to be changing it up on them. Often, you know, when we used to work in 16 millimeter, a feature length film would be like three half hour reel, the first reel, the second reel, and the third reel. And usually you figured you had to have something new in each reel because. It was about a third of the way through, and then two-thirds of the way through, and, and you just needed to <laughs> keep giving them something. And that seems mechanical, but it's like, okay, we've got to kind of squeeze it now. We're picking up the pace. We're 10 minutes from the end. 
we got to like start going here. You know? And yeah. sometimes it's music and sometimes it's rhythm and you start cutting things really shorter and nobody gets to be on camera for more than a sentence and there's a lot of B-roll cutting and you just have to pick up the pace. When I look yeah. at films I've cut, you know, 25 years ago, I would cut them differently now because I see differently. I have different tools. I have the Avid and I don't have 16 millimeter. You know, you use the tool you have. Yeah. And um, I would do things differently now just because I can see faster. Because everybody else can too. As well as the the influence of things like YouTube. Like I went to a, a conference and they were saying that people's attention span has shortened because of YouTube because it gives you that 10 minute block at most. Right. And so a lot of people That's sit true. now for three minutes and then they switch. Right. That's true. So. <clears throat> now, that... that <clears throat> I've noticed, well, I'm kind of old, I'm 61. I try and pay very close attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that I grew up in a linear world and, you know, it was pre-computer. I'm always going to be a little bit victim to that <laughs> fact. Yeah. I noticed this actually pretty early on when they got Avid and programs like that started coming in. That people fell in love with the effects, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, the effects package. Yeah. And... You know, and they, I think they're generally a little bit overused. You know, there was a, almost like a, like a, a joke slash criticism, like it was MTV style, yeah. where no camera angle could be dead on, and nothing could last for more than a second until you, like, made it black and white or put video scan lines in it or moved it up to the upper right-hand corner of the screen and then doubled it down in the lower right. It was yeah. like... It was activity for the sake of activity, rather than to serve the information that you were trying mm -hmm. to deliver. So that was kind of a little bit of a trap. And of course, you have to use everything in moderation, <laughs> even moderation. It's a, it's a great thing to do, like screen direction. I used to, if I had a, a problem with screen direction, somebody was looking in the wrong direction, in 16 millimeter, I had to, used to have to make, a split, make an optical to flip mm -hmm. them from left to right. Now it's like I don't even think about it. I just pop it in, right off the effects. Uh, and fit to fill, just make it last a little longer, okay, no problem. Slow motion, you know, freeze frames, I mean, I can get exactly the right freeze frame. You just have to guess at the freeze frame and film, yeah. and would hope that you were right, you know, and if it was like a frame too short, then you had to change it. And draw it on with a That's a long time, pencil. and it was a lot of money. <laughs> so you tended not to use them as much, because it was expensive, and it was cumbersome, and, and it wasn't easily executed, so... You didn't do it, but now, I have to say, when they invented these things, it was like, for a film editor, it was like going to heaven. You know? <laughs> it was so much better. A lot of people who were kind of my age who had been in film, I cut film for 18 years mm -hmm. before they invented these things. A lot of people said, you know, I don't like computers, I want to hold a shot in my hand. But I have to say, my reaction was, are you crazy? <laughs> they want to deal with tiny trims, you know, two frame pieces of film taped in a book with a number written on it, you know, so you knew where it yeah. came from. I said, you're crazy. This is great. You almost don't need an assistant with these cards. That was one of the unfortunate things about it. Somebody asked me about this at a conference a couple of weeks ago. At Anifest, actually. Yeah. About the assistants. And, like, you know, uh, assistants are going away in my experience. Mm -hmm. It's bad because that's where you kind of get watched to see it happen. At least that's where you used to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen so much anymore. I mean, I could basically go through a whole project and never use an assistant. It's a little cumbersome because there's a lot of clerical work that you want other people to do, like make the first log and just 
you know, put in the time code information and all of that crap because you don't want to have to be doing that. But you could. I was going to ask you about your film, My Generation. How did that yes. come about? And how was the experience of going from the editing room to directing? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, the thing <laughs> about, here's the thing. We had like a thousand tapes in the room to that. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who watched all of the performances at Woodstock 94 <laughs> because there were two stages and you couldn't see both of them. But I did, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I didn't know what was going to happen and I had to watch them, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they had, like, you know, the fest- she shot for six months before the festival and then at the festival there were five and sometimes six camera crews running around just burning film. She shot that on film and we transferred it to tape and we actually finished in tape. Um, but she shot it all on film. I used to joke. I said, by the time I got to Woodstock, there were half a million feet. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's hours and hours and hours. It took me like months. Probably took me two and a half months to watch all that material. Uh, but the thing about that was, you know, for years and years and years, and everybody who's ever worked on a documentary who's honest will tell you that the editor is mm-hmm. very close to the center of how a documentary gets made. You're kind of writing your film as you go along. I mean, it's inevitable. You have to. Because you have to find, where is the film in the 200 hours? Well, it's in there somewhere. But that, you know, just do the math on 200 to 1 shooting ratio. For every 3 hours and 20 minutes of raw material, 3 hours and 20 minutes of raw material, 1 minute gets used in the final film. That's the, that's the proportion. You know, 200 to 1. Mm-hmm. So, where's the film exactly? And also, that gets you into the that gets you into the definition. Of, well, where's the truth exactly? What about those other yeah. three hundred nineteen minutes, three hours and nineteen minutes of stuff? Isn't that true too? Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, but the thing about directing is you're shaping the film so much. We did this on American Dream too, that you're kind mm-hmm. of like you really are making the piece. And, uh, and sometimes it goes beyond just cutting it. So we had a discussion, and she agreed that. But, you know, as I said, we had done that on uh, American Dream back in 1991. The three editors also gave yeah. co-directed credit. Just because it was such a colossal job, and the film is very reflective of the decisions, we dramatic and structural, that we made, and we just felt like, you know. A lot of people say, well, unless you were out in the cold shooting it, then you're not a director. Well, I would disagree with that in a documentary. You know, I'm, that's basically, I'm, quite frankly, I'm always doing that. You know, that's what I do for a living. It's like I try and tell the story, and I try and figure out what the film should be. And, you know, the editor is the last hand to touch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end, you have the fine-cut notes from the producer where they don't like this cutaway, and they want this to be a little quicker. But by and large... The way you get there is, you know, you're making up stuff and you're cutting things and you're making structural suggestions and you're doing a lot. You're writing. You're writing a piece, yeah. basically, out of yeah. the raw material. I want to thank you because you've been more than generous with your time. I just have one more question. Yeah, sure. What is your favorite guilty pleasure film? Oh, I got a million. Um, you know what I do? First of all, I watch, I watch, uh, I tend to watch, you know, narratives because. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I almost don't want to watch documentaries, <laughs> you know, it's like, because I, I see them in a way that I don't see narrative. But, you know, like, I have a million guilty pleasures. Uh, Field of Dream. I know it's a sappy mm-hmm. movie, but I love it, you know. Sometimes I watch uh, 
these, you know, British, what they call derogatorily chick flicks, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Notting Hill. I love the supporting cast in Notting Hill. I watch it almost every time. It's on. <laughs> I just say, I love this movie, you know, The Natural, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, Robert Redford, he doesn't look like he can really swing a bat, but I still love the home run. And I love it that yeah. it's a happy ending, even though Bernard Malamuk doesn't mean it to be. You know, I mean, I just, there's a, I love, there's a lot of bad movies that, that I love. So <laughs> it would be hard to find just one, which is like a, a really big yeah. revelation, because I'm just a sucker for it. What I do is, you know, at night, you know, when I finish work, I, I've been working at home a lot the last couple of years. Yeah. I have an Abbott Express, and I have everything I need, and basically we have a mothership, with the producer, and then I copy the dailies onto my drives, and then I just, I send them bins through the email. I just watch it. So I'm home. So, you know, I'll have dinner, and I'll go inside, and I'll, and I'll search movies, you know, on uh, uh, Comcast. And I'll, I'll pretty much watch a movie every night of some sort. So I'm basically, I'm not watching a particular film. I'm watching the, the least bad one that I can find, you know. I'll watch a John Wayne Western, you know. You know, I'll just, I'll watch almost anything just because I can't help myself. I'm a sucker. I walk into a room and I hear three lines of dialogue I want, and I'm paying attention already, you know. Say, no way, when are they going to get out of this? What's going on? Oh, I know this movie. <laughs> and I just watch, so. Well, th- thank you very much for letting me interview you. I'd like to thank Tom Hamnicky for allowing me to interview him. I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors and Jenny McCormick, as well as my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.